Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. I'm Aaron, and I'm here with Brian. Hey, everybody. And welcome to episode 14, take three of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from our massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. This week, we have a special news and commentary show uh, for the third time. <laughs> wait a minute. I, wait, no, 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 no. We, we had a special guest, right? We're having Chris Hoff on today, aren't we? Uh, that was take one. Oh, wait. Hoff, are you out there? Chris? You coming on? Hello? Yeah. Nothing. And then, what was take two? Well, take uh, take two, we, we, we did this for a while, and then we realized five minutes in, I usually record it, and you were going to record it, and then you weren't recording it, and then we had nothing, so. All right, it well, was really, really good. Yeah, that we, was like yeah, the best good. show ever. It was that you'll good. never hear. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even have it on bloopers. This sucks. <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, take three. Here we go. All right, man. Well, cool. We're uh, so we're doing news and uh, commentary tonight, huh? Yes. Okay. Yes. Hey, you know, listen. I was uh, I was going back through my calendar. I got one of those calendars that periodically sends me reminders to like you know clean crap out and do things. And and I realized we're coming up on our six month anniversary. Uh, Has it been that long? That's amazing. I, it's it's uh, considering the way this thing got started. That you know, literally like two tin cans and a piece of wire. Um, I'm pretty amazed we've made it six months. I agree. I agree. And we'll have to someday. We'll have to um, pull out the blooper reel. I just thought of this: of the very first time we tried to record over Skype, and I was laying in bed with bronchitis and sound like a ninety-year-old asthmatic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We need to play that for like the Christmas episode or something. Well, well we've got it. Yeah, we do. We got a ton of bloopers, kind of, kind of sitting around somewhere. So yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to make a best of bloopers show. You know, when we're on vacation for two weeks, like the radio guys, and uh... we're really good at messing up. You know, so before we jump into the news, what's uh, you know looking back on the last six months or so? Um, although Jesus, we sound like like two like middle school kids who just started dating. Hey, we're gonna have a six month anniversary. <laughs> awesome! Yeah, because um, we we might not make it to the year, so we got to celebrate. Yeah, we may not. <laughs> um, you know, what's what's your take on the first six months? What do you remember? What don't you remember? Well, you know, for me personally, probably the biggest thing is the actual setup and trying to actually kick one of these out is certainly more time-consuming than I ever thought. Now, over time, the amount of time it takes to do an episode has been less and less. And also, finding the time with schedules. You know, both of us have uh, wives and kids and jobs that require travel. And and finding guests at the same time when we're all around together, it's certainly been a little bit of starts and stops and certainly not nearly as consistent as we would like it to be. Yeah. But I, I do think the quality of the guests um, has been absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think so too. I think, uh, uh, yeah, above and beyond just the time this takes, which it, it, we're not complaining, but it's it's one of those things where, yeah, until you've done it. I just it, wasn't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, you just you don't realize um, how much ums and ahs and, and screw-ups and things that happen that you're like, well, I could let it rip, right? So, you know, we, like we, we talked early on with dudes like John Troyer who do the, the weekly VMware podcast, and he was always like, just let it rip. Just, you know, you screw up, you screw up. And, and you know, we, we have that, you know, anal gene, and we were like, well, we're, yeah, we're not going to do that. Like, we want to produce something. We want it to sound good. You've got a bunch of, you know, music and DJ background. So, yeah, that, that takes longer than we expected. But... You know, like for me, the thing that's been amazing is 
I mean, when we, when we first started, we kind of made a list of people we thought we might want to get. And then we were like, we're out of our mind. Why would these people want to talk to us? Why would they want to give us any of their time? And people have been really, really cool to us. We, you know, some of the guys we knew, you know, we knew dudes like Joanna Sec and we knew Steve Kaplan and uh, we've known Vanessa, you know, granted it was only over Twitter and stuff, but a lot of these people, we would just ping out of the blue and be like, hey, um, we're these two dudes and we're kind of interested in stuff. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm in. And it was right. like, wow. Right. Uh, so that that to me has been really really cool is is not only do they give us some of their time but they're willing to tell us what they're doing and and educate us and uh you know hopefully hopefully people uh, appreciate their time uh, as much as you know any time that we put into this thing so that that to Absolutely. me is really cool yep so i agreed i agreed uh so the other thing um you know i thought maybe we we do a little bit of a teaser so you know we're in 6 months we've had some we've had some pretty cool guests i'm i'm kind of surprised that we've done as we've had as many guests that talked kind of purely about software because uh, mm-hmm. you, you and I are definitely not software dudes, right? Uh, and we've, we've been As very, is very evident on this show. We've, we've, been very, <laughs> we've been very clear that's not our background. Um, but I mean, just even the last you know, half dozen shows, we've had Ed Sidepatch talking about Joyant's platform as a service. We've had uh, Isaac Roth a couple weeks ago talking about uh, Red Hat's OpenShift platform as a service. Christian Riley's talked a few times about you know, various platform as a service things he's messing with. You know, I know we've got some, some listeners who have pinged us, you know, wanting us to get the guys from Cloud Foundry on there. Uh, so that's cool. I mean, I, I like that. I mean, we had Rodrigo Flores on the one day talking about service catalogs, which is, you know, purely a software play. So, you know, I thought at first we were going to talk a lot about like converged networks and stuff like that. But I'm happy. I like, I like kind of where it's going. I think hopefully it fills a niche for some people. So the other thing I wanted to I wanted to jump into before we jump into a bunch of news is and are you are you cool with me kind of giving a little bit of a teaser of yes, what we might be doing? Yes, absolutely. Let's do that. You know, one of the things that you just mentioned it, right? Like we're we're always trying like crazy to get people to come on the show and and scheduling's always sort of challenging because people are working and traveling and you and I have to coordinate schedules and but there's been a lot of people that we've been trying to get for a long time that said they'd come on uh that are going to come on pretty soon and I'll I'll say pretty soon, you know, knock on wood in the next potentially next week, potentially next couple weeks, potentially in the next month or so. So let me throw out a few names of people that are going to be coming on or are scheduled to come on. So Peter Ulander, formerly of Cloud.com, formerly the CMO and one of the founders of Cloud.com is coming on. So a uh, really cool dude is going to give us a sense of you know where they were and, and then hopefully what they're going to be doing with Citrix. And uh, we'll, we'll explain where the Citrix and Cloud.com tie-in comes in. So Peter's going to come on really soon. We've been trying to. We were joking around about Chris Hoff, you know, a few minutes ago. Uh, hopefully, we can get Hoff to come back on uh, to talk about cloud security, which was sort of like the top of our list of things that we wanted to talk about six months ago. We haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, so hopefully, we can get Hoff to come on and and um, and, and talk. He was supposed to be on this last week, except we screwed up the time zones because he decided to move to the left coast. So he's going to come on. Uh, we've got some dudes from from Dell that are going to come on. So um, we're, we're trying to finalize names on that, but there's some dudes from the Dell data center solutions and cloud team that are going to come on and talk about some of the cool things they're doing. Uh, we're going to get Scott Sanchez from Rackspace to come and talk about OpenStack. So we've been bugging him for a long time, and uh, he's another guy who decided to, to move and has had crazy things. So uh, we're going to have all those guys on. And then the other thing that's been... Plus also uh, Cloud Foundry and Project Horizon. Yeah, we're going to get, we're gonna get well, the, so. Yeah, we'll get those guys on definitely before VMworld, which is coming up here in what less than a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The other thing that's been kind of weird, like I I never expected this, but it's I guess it's kind of cool. We've been getting emails from people 
you know, various groups. Sometimes there are these outside agencies that work on behalf of companies, but but sometimes it's just, you know, the founder of the company themselves, and they're like, hey, you know, I heard about you guys. I listened to your show, and uh, I'd love to come on and talk about my my company. And they're in the space. Some of them, you know, do things like management and monitoring and stuff that's you know really operational and other guys you know are doing variations on products that big vendors are doing so we're going to start having some of those guys if uh, you know hopefully uh, people are cool with it uh, but you know to us it's like if they want to come on the show we'd love to give them a forum so that's kind of cool because i never would have thought anybody would ever you know, <laughs> would have pinged us for for wanting to come on i always thought we'd be begging them to do it so the least we can do is uh, let them come on, and uh, you know we, we will we will promise to do our best not to turn it into a commercial. But it'll be fun because those guys a lot of times are really I mean they're obviously super passionate about what they do, and then they usually have a much different take on on how to do some things. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gotten in the business. So uh, that that should be kind of cool. Absolutely, and when it comes to commercials, don't forget Mangrate. Yeah, well, those guys are awesome. So the Mangrate guys, <laughs> you know, obviously you and I always used to joke around. So the, the, should, should we let them in on the fake uh, promotional things that we did early on? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So, so one of the things that we did um, early on, we were, you know, we joked around in one of the very first podcasts. We said, "Hey, we got to get some sponsors," and uh, and then at one point we said, "Well." what the hell, we're just going to make up sponsors. And we had a whole list of them written out, and I think we read one or two of them, and we had some people who came, who like would ping us on Twitter or email and go, wait, wait was that real? Because that sounded like it was totally made up. And we were like, no, because we, you know. So we did We did actually have some fake sponsors that we, we went through. We thought that was kind of funny just to practice reading sponsor things. But the dudes from Mangrate, the guys who make uh, the awesome grills that we've talked about before, those guys are sort of, a, of an adjunct sponsor. And the cool thing is, People have bought through, you know, they've clicked on our website, they've gone through and bought their stuff, uh, they make a great product, people like the product, they've pinged us and said, hey, guys, I, I like the thing, um, and that's kind of cool, because they they, uh, they let us wet our beak a little bit, which we basically use to buy t-shirts and beers and stuff for people, but it's cool for people, because they, they like the product too, so hat tip of the hat to the dudes, it's man great, and uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully they uh, they keep being cool with us, so. Yep. And if anybody else wants to sponsor us, I guess uh, we'd be open to it. <laughs> I don't I don't know who that might be, but uh, if somebody wants to sponsor us, what the hell? We'll uh, more than happy to plug you. If you make a cool product that we like, uh, we're not going to sponsor somebody just uh, for the sake of uh, wasting people's time. So if you make something cool, call us. And uh, if not, uh, we'll uh, we'll just try and keep having awesome guests on the show. Listen, man, um, you want to do some news? Absolutely. Let's do some news. Probably the biggest one and, and, and one that was kind of close to us or close to our guests um, is cloud.com being purchased by Citrix. Yeah, that was very cool. I mean, I think we all sort of expected at some point they'd get bought because they have a bunch of big customers. So they've got like Zynga and GoDaddy and the the new Tata cloud. The, I don't know mm-hmm. what they're going to call it, but the dudes at Tata plus a bunch of, you know, they've got some other ones. Edmunds.com um, was the one I was noticing. I was like, oh, wow, really cool. Yeah, so, you know, they uh, they make a good, well, plus they had Bechtel from, so, you know, Christian Riley never used to tell us who he worked for, but uh, that's sort of out in the open now. Um, so, uh, good for those guys. I mean, uh, they obviously yeah. made a good product. Um, you know, it's, it's working in production. Uh, it works at scale, and... Uh, Good for Citrix. I mean, it seems like a good buy for them because even though they're dabbling in OpenStack, you know, cloud seems to be a good product that you know aligns to the stuff they want to do and lets them go compete with uh, with VMware, which they're you know they seem to be very aggressive now in that space. And they just bought the coolest domain name out there. Well, they've always had that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to find out from from Peter when he comes on, like how he 
how we managed to get that and uh, what the story is behind that. <laughs> Absolutely, we do. And then something kind of related, next news story is even though Citrix did purchase Cloud.com, they also had a, a high name departure in Simon Crosby, uh, leaving and founding Bromium, which is, uh, you know, as I said in take two of this episode, the worst name ever. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> I, 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 I just can't get over that name. I really can't. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I, I hope their product kicks ass because the name is terrible, and and uh, you know maybe you can get over it. But um, yeah, the the you know, it's, it looks like it's going to be a security company. Sort of has some sort of hypervisor slash browser kind of tie-in, but uh, they've been really vague about it. So uh, uh, people, and, you, and you've noticed Simon has, has uh, you know, restarted the blog and, and restarted the bashing and, yes. you know, t- typical Simon. And, and, you know, hey, that's cool. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Uh, I'm not, you know, faulting him for it. He, he likes to stir the pot and at the same time generate attention. And with a new company and something like that out there, it's quite frankly, he's doing a job, right? Well, That's what and, he needs and, to do. And you know what? The, the industry needs personalities. It's always fun when there's personalities and there's feuds. And and uh, you know what? He's he's proven with Zen that he can build stuff that works. So hopefully he builds something else that works and he can, you know, back up the the uh, the VMware bashing. So it's always fun to watch, you know, it's always fun to, to see the big guy have competition and uh Hopefully, build something cool. So it'll be interesting. You know, what'll be interesting to see is, uh, you know, who's the first person that we know that goes to work for those guys, if we know anybody. Although right. we, don't, we don't know squat about security, so probably nobody we know. But, uh, yeah. but <laughs> maybe maybe Hoff. Who knows? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, next on our list, so VMware had their big vSphere five all things cloud announcement, uh, what, a week or so ago, which, mm-hmm. you know, they do this about once a year. Uh, usually it's closer to VMworld, but they did it uh, a little earlier this, this year. You know, the one thing that was interesting, so there's a lot of cool features and, and people can go read the blogs and read the website. We won't go into that. But but it, it got massively overshadowed by them changing their uh, their licensing stuff. And you wrote a blog about this, right? You kind of dug into the numbers, and uh, but they, they changed their licensing fairly dramatically, and it, and it kind of freaked some people out. Oh, boy, did it. And so, first of all, I'll say it is, uh, what, 11.30 on a Friday night right now. And, and, you know, the latest that happened today is now rumors are flying around today that maybe there is an announcement coming of potential changes to everything that was announced anyway. But... I can't really speculate on on that because I honestly don't know anything about them, and and I quite frankly was too busy with work today to really go dig into the rumor blogs. What is going on is VMware has basically whether you're scaling out or scaling up, you know, putting putting a whole bunch of small servers with a little bit of memory or putting bigger servers with larger amounts of memory. Either way, VMware is going to get a cut, and and I kind of did some math on it, and it was. It was, you know, one versus the other because a lot of people were saying, "Well, you just you can't scale up anymore because it's just dead. You're you're the cost is simply going to be too much." And if you factor in the full big picture of hardware and and Microsoft licenses, if the, if you are indeed running Microsoft um, VMs and you don't have an enterprise license agreement and all these other things, right? There's a lot of other factors to consider where you might still come out ahead, or it'll certainly still hold its own, right? But a lot of people are mad it, no matter what because VMware is going to take a cut. Um, that the, and it's an area they didn't take a cut in before. 
Well, and, 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 you know, for anybody who hasn't dope, you know, kind of jumped into this with, with both feet and try to figure it out, I mean, in, in essence, what they're doing is they're now charging you based on how much memory you have in your clusters of VMs, right? That's the, that's yep. the big difference. It's CPU plus how much memory you have. The thing to me that jumped out that was sort of interesting, and, and you've done more sort of doing of the math to figure out if it costs more or less, but the thing that kind of jumped out at me was, you know, their big push this year is I want to see you move from kind of your your lower tiers of applications or what, you know, sometimes folks, folks call like crap applications or whatever, you know, to we made all these changes, you know, we support huge amounts of RAM, like a terabyte of RAM, and they support uh, like 10 or 12 cores or something or per VM. I mean, like you can, you can, you can support, a, you know, what they call monster VMs now. And, you know, the characteristic of those monster VMs is always crap loads of, of RAM, right? Because either yep. the application's written and it gets leaks or it just it just is a memory hog. And I would have thought, geez, I mean, I understand they want to push into that space, but I would have thought they wouldn't have necessarily made a big pricing red flag go up to, to that, that might push people over that edge of saying, yes, I'll go... Uh, virtualize my Oracle application, my SAP application, my whatever, whatever my huge tier one application is. Because it's like forever it was, well, the hypervisor's a tax. Okay, they fixed that and the hypervisor is super fast now. Then it was, uh, you know, the hypervisor can't deal with high availability. Okay, that's really rock solid these days. And then it was, you know, the hypervisor can't handle monster VMs. Okay, well, that's, you know, to be fixed in, in, in vSphere 5. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, and, and let me let me throw price right back at you as being yet another potential barrier. So, right. And think about this. Here's here's two areas of concern around this pricing that I that I came up with is one of the big things is is the way people get introduced to virtualization is the that whole concept of low hanging fruit. Yep. The things that are easy to virtualize, but at the same point if everyone is worried about potentially having to be you know v-taxed on the on the ram as everyone is that's the the phrase everyone is using maybe they don't go after the low hanging fruit or maybe they use an alternative hypervisor for the low hanging fruit um that is one area of concern another area of concern is because what it is is the the memory is taken out of the pool all the everything is kind of pulled together and then memory is pulled out when a machine is powered on and that memory is consumed at, at time whatever memory is allocated is kind of consumed and, and taken out of the pool well what if you have a whole bunch of uh, applications that are you know on a 4 gig server 8 gig server when it's only using 3 or it's only using 2 and so there's all this potentially wasted vram because because you didn't allocate your machines correctly because you had all this space or you had all this memory. And so there's a lot of readjustments that potentially could be going back and, and right-sizing of VMs um, that are out there today. Somebody that, you know, you did a physical to virtual conversion, you're just like, eh, whatever, just leave it at whatever it's set at. And there's going to be a lot of that going on now as well, of, of revisiting all of those virtual machines and really figuring out, is that memory allocation that is on there uh, the proper size? Yeah, that's that's the one thing I've sort of seen in trying to read the the sort of second tier of blogs that have come out that have gone okay. Let me let me get past the the hype or the 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 anger and let let me try and see if, how this gets justified. And it, and it seems to be that VMware is is 
trying to tell people or they're trying to push through their various consultants that this is really about you getting back to right sizing and properly sizing the VMs you have and then better utilizing the resources that you're paying for because, you know, most likely you were a little bit sloppy or you were a little bit, you know, not caring about how much you used and now they're like you you need to be thinking about that you need to be driving higher utilization and so forth so i i think you know their timing you know may end up becoming genius because if they had done it at vm world they would have basically probably lost the show because everybody would be talking about licensing right i mean it was yeah. it was a week-long thing it may all be settled down by the time they get to the show and people can get back to, you know, learning the features and going to the huge labs and, and doing other stuff. So it, it might turn out to be genius um, or it might, uh, I think I saw a tweet from, from a guy uh, actually from VMware and he said, you know, our, uh, our revenue next, our next quarter, the next couple of quarters might be up 50% or it might be down 50% and it'll all be directly tied to basically VRAM and vSphere 5. <laughs> Yeah. So and well, and I think it was. I, I want to say it was Jason Nash. Jason Nash put it out on Twitter, and it was hysterically. He said, uh, "You know, because they when all the rumors are flying around today that they might potentially change some of the the licensing. It, it, you know, that this could quickly become the new Coke for yeah. VMware. <laughs> it's classic Coke versus new Coke. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. So let's uh, let's let's get off of VMware. Let's move on to some other stuff. So Dell. Dell has been doing a lot of interesting slash you're not exactly sure what they're doing things so you know they bought compellent and they bought force 10 right they bought uh, mm-hmm. so they, they bought you know bought a storage company you know a couple months ago they buy force 10 like a week ago big 10 gigabit super low latency switches that run commodity you know commodity hardware in, in essence um, so you know they, they're kind of doing some things in the building out product space and then they bought gosh what's the name of the company it's like it's like Bimbo or Bingo or something. I'll have to look it up. Uh, but they bought basically a software as a service kind of platform that you weren't totally sure how that was going to fit. We talked a bunch of months ago about how they are building out like a dozen or two dozen big data centers. So you start looking at it and you start going, okay, some of the pieces are kind of coming together. And then this week uh, they came out and they formally announced their distribution of OpenStack. And right. they also, uh, you know, which is a big deal. They're sort of like the first really big company to have a formal distribution of OpenStack. So even though uh, Citrix had announced a project, I think it was called Project Olympus or Project Olympic, that they were going to do a formal thing, but it's not out yet. Um, so they've sort of they've sort of beaten Citrix to the punch in a formal distribution. And the other thing was they had a really cool. Um, like deployment tool they used. It was called Crowbar, and they've, they've showed it at a bunch of the shows. They've showed it at the uh, OpenStack conference. I saw it out in Santa Clara a couple of months ago. They open sourced that, so they put that out in the community. Um, so that's pretty cool. I mean, that means they're they're very, very serious about this. Um, and that'll be one of the things that we talk to the Dell guys on, you know, in a few weeks whenever we get them on. But the, the OpenStack thing is going to be kind of interesting. Uh, well, and I'll say this too. Dell, Dell almost feels like... IBM did in embracing open source and the open source community back in 2000 through 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. And, you know, I was at IBM at that time and, and, and that was VMware was coming into its own, but all you also heard from IBM was, oh, everything's going to be open source. And, and they were writing open source tools and actively contributing to the community. And, and Dell embracing OpenStack really feels a lot like that movement of, you know, basically that started 10 years ago with IBM and, and open source. 
Well, and, and they're an interesting player in the in sort of the vendor space, right? Because they've got they're really good at distribution, and and they've always lived on sort of fairly thin margins. So they they know how to live in that space where you're doing lots of say lots of servers. They know how to rack and stack them and get them out the door to you in a few days. You know, they're awesome at that. They you know, they've never played very well with the channel, right? They've always had that direct versus indirect kind of conflict that that various channel partners have, you know, always kind of shied away from Dell about, which may end up becoming a good thing for them because, you know, we've talked before, like to be a channel partner these days, you're not exactly sure where you're going to live, right? Are the guys going to, you know, the service providers going to go over the top from you and do software as a service and platform as a service, or are you still going to be a big part of the thing or whatever? You know, for Dell, they don't have that channel conflict when they start saying, hey, I want to be basically a cloud provider. So they're in a, they're in sort of an interesting position. You know, I don't know how it'll turn out. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of pieces to put together and a lot of execution, but some interesting pieces from them, you know, and, and we'll see how it all fits together. Absolutely. And then uh, more along the OpenStack as well is, is HP also announced that they were getting into the OpenStack business this week. Yeah, and but I tell you what, their 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 announcement didn't have anything to it. There was no meat to it. It was just a, yeah, we're in. It was you know, definitely it, a me too announcement. Yeah, it was like it was like they it's like they threw an ante into a card game, but they you know you're not actually sure if they're actually gonna you know gonna gonna up the ante or they're gonna they're gonna play a hand. They're just they just want to be there. And but I will say this: when I saw the announcement, it did make me kind of perk up to OpenStack uh, much more in, in the fact that don't get me wrong, you know, Dell announcing OpenStack, that that's pretty cool, right? But then suddenly HP gets into the game as well and you're like, oh, wait a second, there's two pretty big server vendors now doing OpenStack. Yep. That's, you know, now, okay, maybe I need to pay attention to this, right? Yeah, OpenStack, you know, OpenStack could go a ton of different ways and this will be interesting because you know, we'll get Scott on and we'll get his perspective because he's, you know, he's doing business development for OpenStack. You know, for, for me, the, the Dell thing, it feels like they've got more pieces that they can make it successful, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of playing in that, in that open compute space as well because they've been, they've been selling stuff to Facebook for a long time and they're, they're kind of ahead of that. HP seems like it's a little weird. And, and again, we don't know anything about this, but I mean, they have a ton of management software that people expect from them that are tied really tightly into their various blade matrices and cloud matrices and so forth. So it'll be interesting. Are they, are they going to move away from that sort of big monolithic type of stuff and move towards OpenStack? Or is this just, a, you know, like we said, this is just an ante into the game and they'll see where it goes. But, but is, right, yeah, is this the equivalent of yeah? We sell servers with Linux on them too. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's you know, and, it, and it's the same you know, and it's the same sort of it's the same sort of challenge that Cisco's going to have, right? I mean, are they going to make their own distribution? Are they just going to contribute because they want to do networking stuff? And you know, so it'll you know, I think the OpenStack thing is going to get to be it's going to probably go through a lot of confusion before it sorts itself out, right? It's a little bit like Linux was way back in the early days when you had. Uh, and I'm not, I'm going to forget a bunch of these, but I mean, you had like, you had Red Hat, obviously, you had Ubuntu, you had VA Linux, you had, you know, Bob's Garage Linux, you had, uh, right. you know, you had like 12 different Gen distributions. Gen 2 and yeah. Yeah, yeah you had all these ones. And and the thing is, nobody's just going to distribute, you know, nobody's just going to package up the vanilla stuff. They're going to put some sort of hook in to talk to their software or their hardware or whatever it is. And the the challenge the challenge will end up being like how much of a how much of a 
uh, a support challenge is that going to turn into, right? If you were Linux, you know, you had a set of drivers that you would support, or you would have, you know, certain kinds of hardware, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it'll be an interesting to see how it shakes out. I think we're going to see a lot of people who say they like this is our distribution of OpenStack, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, you know the cloud.com guys still uh, feel like they have a differentiation because obviously they sort of know what they're doing. It'll be interesting to see you know where like uh, vCloud Director goes versus all this stuff because that's obviously a competitive product. So it's going to be an interesting space, man. And where does and to kind of lead into the the next story, where does Nebula? fit into all of this. So tell us a little bit about Nebula. Well, first and foremost, um, and, and a few of us joked around on this, there's a whole crap load of companies whose name sounds just like this, right? There's already Nimbula, there's Open Nimbula, <laughs> now you've got Nebula, and you know people are joking around there's going to be Mebula and uh, Nubula and uh, you know crap like that. But you know ne- the Nebula guys are interesting because they are the the dude who started it was the former CTO at NASA. So obviously OpenStack started at NASA. They've been running it there for a number of years. Uh, so this guy's got some chops. He knows what he's doing. But they're taking kind of an interesting approach to it, right? So instead of just purely a distribution, they're doing an appliance with it, right? And and it wasn't a hundred percent clear what exactly that means. So like the guys from GigaOM. There's a dude at GigaOM, and it is, uh, I forget his name off the top of my head, but, but he's been doing a really good job of covering this stuff. He sort of made it out like it's 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 going to be a distribution that's going to be a like an appliance box, a physical hardware box, but it was going to have hooks into things like uh, Arista's software, right? So Arista has some pretty cool ways of not only doing top rack switching, but you know hooking into what how to deploy servers. And then the register guys had a sort of slightly different spin when they were covering it, and they were basically saying, no, they're going to build a basically a 48-port or a 96-port top-of-rack switch. So same sort of concept as something like the Cisco Fabric Interconnect that goes with the UCS, right? So you've got a top-of-rack switch that does switching, but it's also got a bunch of management sort of embedded into one physical one physical thing or you know pairs of things. So... That's an interesting spin. The other, I mean, the other interesting thing about Nebula is one of their, 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 a lot of their money, at least you know what was announced, came from guys like Andy Bechtelstein and uh, uh, David Chirito, the, the guys who not only founded Sun but are also the the sort of lead guys over at Arista. So you know, there's some interesting ties in for Arista, and they're already announcing that it supports the you know sort of the scale out lower end commodity size Dell servers as well as the open compute. So they're sort of the first guys that I've seen that say uh, we're going to support that open compute platform that, that Facebook's been pushing. So Sure, sure. Yeah. And and one of my big things that kind of immediately jumps out at me though anytime I see this with with a hardware appliance, it, I, I understand why companies do it, but at the same time especially for a startup, it's such a headache when you're developing a hardware-based product, because you you have manufacturing considerations, you have prototyping considerations, you have, you know, all these other things. When it comes to actually building and shipping a physical product versus you know a more soft product or more of like a software stack, right? Um, it's much easier to rev something like that than it is a hardware appliance. A hardware appliance, you pretty much you got to do a good job the first time on that, and that's not easy. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I mean, the flip side of it is, if you're going to end up supporting it, you sort of, and if you're going to do something that you're going to support as like a performance-driven thing, as opposed to just a how you ship it, you know, you you do want to have some clue of what you're shipping on. But yeah, I hear you. I mean, if you, you've only got so many 
VC dollars or startup dollars and, 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 and going through a lot of revs of hardware and having to build out your own internal labs to test against is, is it's pretty just a very capital intensive kind yeah. of project. Yeah. It really so, is. You know, I, I forgot to include one on the list, but now that I'm thinking about it, you know, the other big acquisition that went on this last week or two was uh, Intel bought a company called Fulcrum, Fulcrum Technologies, I believe it was. And Fulcrum is sort of the the yin to the yang of Broadcom. So Fulcrum do, you know, uh, network on a chip, uh, switch on a chip sort of stuff. They're the other big name in uh, sort of commoditized network-based hardware. And it'll be interesting to see what, what Intel does with that. But, I mean, in essence, Intel is sort of going, okay, if the world's going commodity, I already have, you know, a ton of the x86 market, which is, you know, kind of fluctuating depending on, you know, what's going on in the mobile market. or the, You know, we're seeing a lot of people doing, you know, different kinds of, like, ARM-based processors for, for CPUs. But, you know, they're now getting in on a huge scale to doing, um, you know, switching fabrics and, and switching silicon and stuff. So... That's going to be an interesting to see where that goes. I think, from what I remember, you know, Arista uses the Fulcrum chipset. I don't remember who else does. I know, you know, Cisco and Juniper don't. I don't know what Huawei uses, but that'll be another interesting kind of acquisition to see. I mean, that's probably something that's going to take, you know, six to twelve months to kind of flesh out. But uh, uh, that's going to be another one to see if if Intel. You always wonder about Intel. Like, are they how much of the white box market are they going to get into? I've heard a lot of rumors about them kind of, you know, dabbling at the edges of potentially trying to get into switching white boxes and, and compute white boxes and so forth. So that'll be an interesting one. Absolutely interesting. Cool. Any, uh, any other interesting news, man? Because we're, uh, we're getting close to our, our limit that we're, we're trying to have, you know. Uh, any other interesting things worth talking about? Nope, I think that's about it for this week. Um, we're out of time for this week. A big thanks to everyone for putting up with us for the first six months. We're looking forward to finishing year one strong. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or reach us at thecloudcast.net where you'll find links to the show and show notes. You can leave us a comment or send us an email and details on how to stream us on Stitcher. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Bye.